Ringer Films is premiering its first of six films in our music box series, Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage, on Friday, July 23rd on HBO. Woodstock 99 tells the story of the infamous music festival promoting unity and counterculture, but devolved into chaos and collapsed under the weight of its own ambition. Watch or stream Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage on HBO or HBO Max now. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now your bits. Feet, toes. Come on. Ugh. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... <sighs> Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined on a very special episode here today by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. <laughs> today, uh, today's a little different than other podcasts we've done, because today we were doing a seance to communicate with all the fantasy football players who are dead to us. <laughs> For those who may be new to the concept of a seance, we will be bridging two realms, traveling from the living to the dead, to make peace, if we so choose, with players who have wronged us or just dropped a touchdown or something we're being really big babies about. But regardless, they've <laughs> wronged us. They're dead to us. <laughs> and we, we're going to try to get over those, uh, those feelings, maybe bury the hatchet. We will be acting as our own mediums for today's episode. <laughs> In the future, perhaps we will seek professional help, but today we will be doing it ourselves. So... Uh, this is very special, but you know what? I think in keeping with the theme of today's episode of just being dead to people, we have a little news first, which is basically, it, are the Packers dead to Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. I guess this not. is kind of the perfect prelude. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, Ian Rappaport, today's Monday, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network tweeted that hashtag Packers. Uh, do you guys do hashtags when you tweet? No. No. I, I don't either. Yeah. Probably should. Hashtag Packers QB Aaron Rodgers has indicated to people close to him that he does plan he does plan to play for Green Bay this season, sources say. That is the expectation. Many factors at play, but with GM Brian Gutekun saying he is, quote, hopeful for a positive outcome, there is a glimmer of optimism. Here we go. Okay. I mean, I feel like this was this is all three of us that are already kind of assumed this was going to happen. There was always the chance that Aaron Rodgers could end up not playing or be traded or whatever, but this is always the most probable outcome, I would think. Well, first off, actually, let me back up a little bit. This tweet is couched in several different areas by, you know, like, it's looking like it's going to, that's the expectation, many factors at play, but it's hopeful for a positive outcome. There's a glimmer of optimism. There's a lot of, uh, you know, Hedging. Well, it's like, There's it, a lot of hedging in this tweet. However, I will say it's it's probable that this is going to happen. If it was like 2 a.m. and I'm like going to go get pizza, it's like Danny Heifetz has indicated to people close to him that he does plan to get, you know what I mean? Like a lot can <laughs> indicated to people close to you. Is like, let, me, yeah. let me ask, how tenuous does the information that Ian Rappaport has have to be to where he can still get away with tweeting this? Look, considering it's Monday, we we're gonna find out tomorrow. Like, there's no point. We don't have to speculate on this. He's literally gonna show up or not tomorrow. It's I, I we DK have been saying for a while we think he's gonna show up. We'll see. At this point, like we'll see. Yeah, I think we should. So, and we'll see if maybe they're dead to him. We'll see. Maybe he's doing his seance right now. So, bottom line, before like we're we'll get into this deeper once something actually happens. But I'm guessing this will have a big effect for Devontae. Spike season maybe. year two on the yeah. way. <laughs> 
Devontae Adams might turn into our wide receiver one collectively. Um, Obviously, this is great for Aaron Rodgers and for uh, Aaron Jones. Overall, for the Packers offense. Packers fans? The city of Green Bay? Did you say it's great for Aaron Rodgers, like from a fantasy perspective, that he'll be better playing than he would be not playing? Was that you what you were implying? Yes. I think it's going to inflate Aaron Rodgers' fantasy value because he's (laughs) going to be scoring fantasy points now. He will will not... (laughs) Stock up on Rodgers if he (laughs) plays... Yeah, I think it's a good thing. <laughs> Huge. Okay. There is actually some other news that we actually have information on now, which is Michael Thomas, who we've talked about a lot, but Craig, I mean, hit us with the vampire, the vampire song. <laughs> it's, it's getting kind of hard to believe <laughs> things are going to get better. So apparently Michael Thomas's like ankle, like the high ankle sprain he had week one last year, just the timeline of this thing has been completely screwed up. Like the recovery timeline. It's like Rashad Petty's knee. It just doesn't go oh, away. God it's damn tough. it. So he injured in week one. Anyone who had him last year knows that it was just an up and down roller coaster. He went on IR briefly. So the season ends and Michael Thomas sees a specialist. Apparently the specialist told him to rehab the injury, come back in the spring and they'll check in if he needs surgery. Michael Thomas returned to the specialist after minicamp, which is in like, I believe like May or June, like not really closer to summer than spring. <laughs> it he needed summer. surgery apparently. Yeah. So this ankle sprain that happened in September, he didn't end up getting surgery on until like June four-month recovery timeline so he's back in october november like it's like and even he could come back earlier but that would basically mean at the cost of not being 100 healthy which we just saw last year didn't go well so we dropped thomas in our rankings at least for half ppr to like 110 (laughs) we have him at like wide receiver 50s behind lavisca chenault dk I, i mean do you even want thomas on your team this year this is tough it's very tough because there's actually no guarantee he'll be back by October or November too. Like there's always the chance he just might not play this year, you know, based on how the rehab goes, if he has a setback, all that stuff. Um, and so I'm, you know, it just depends on your philosophy. Some people just don't want to have a guy that's not, you know, doing anything for the first half of the year, sitting on their bench and wasting a roster spot when you can have potentially a higher upside player there helping you now. On the other hand, when he comes back, he's still going to get that that volume that we wanted and that made him, you know, I think earlier on we had him as a top 12 receiver. You know, we, I was like receiver nine or something on our rankings before this. So they're still going to have that upside to be a big, huge target hog in this offense. You just have to wait for it. So it just depends on your philosophy. We dropped him down so far because I think generally speaking, all of us are, are just like, you know, there's so many uncertainties around it. We'd rather just pick another player at this point and, and not take a, you know, not take an L for the first half of the year, maybe the whole year on that. It's like, how good would he have to be in the second half of the season to justify holding on to him for the first half? Yeah. And there's still the quarterback questions. There's still so much, there's still so many question marks involved in Saints. So, also, we're just sick of it. I feel like we're sick of Michael Thomas <laughs> after last year. Like, if he was perfectly healthy last year and then this happened, I think we'd be a little bit more receptive to him coming mm-hmm. back and us being okay with it. I think everyone's just annoyed. What's the history of guys who miss the first half of the season and then come back and are awesome? I'd actually love to go back and do that research. I feel like it doesn't happen very often. It's very rare. Like, as a general rule, like, it's hard to go wrong. Just avoid injured dude. dudes who are injured in August. Like, yeah. it, it's Especially just the most of the time. Brains, man. I think that there's like this misconception that, like, when the little cue for questionable goes away, that the player is healthy. Almost ne- like they just are sucking it up and they'll deal with it after the season and get surgery later. But, like, the injuries most of the time don't go away, they just manage them. It's hard for me to believe that if he recovers from this and he just goes back to playing football, like he's not going to get to 100%. It seems deeply unlikely. Right. And then as DK said, then you got to get the chemistry with the quarterbacks. Is there a worse scenario as a fantasy football player than when Michael Thomas is supposed to be out until week eight, but it's week five and they go, Michael Thomas is feeling pretty good and, it, and is planning to, quote, give it a go in week five <laughs> on a potentially limited snap count. And yeah, then you're like, exactly. God damn it. They're playing the Panthers do I do this? And then he gets like, he'll, <laughs> yeah. and then there's only two scenarios. He either has one catch for eight yards or he has 140. Those are the only two options. So, so I think Michael Thomas is kind of cooked for all of us right now. And then, you know, if he's a late round flyer, sure. I actually think the best scenario is if he's, if you have IR spots in your league, you can think about it a lot more than if you don't. Do you think he goes for one, like, is he a $1 pick in auction leagues? Yeah, for sure. But like, yeah. I think it, he matters a lot more if you have an IR spot. Like, there's a lot of leagues I think added injured reserve spots or something last year for yeah. COVID. And I, I mean, look, there's a thousand variations of that. But 
if you have an IR spot, he's a lot more valuable. Maybe not a lot more valuable. He's certainly a little more valuable if you can just stash him and it's not he taking He might be up. the best IR guy so far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's kind of like a crazy thing. <laughs> Should we thing. have our IR rankings? Oh, yeah, we can do that. The <laughs> yeah, I want to just look at the depth chart for the Saints, right? It's kind of nuts. Of any team to lose their number one receiver, the Saints' other receivers are it's like not Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris. Deontay Harris is a like a like a lightning bolt. He's five foot six. He's like a punt returner guy. Mm-hmm. He's suddenly in line for like real snaps for them at receiver to the point that these guys are like barely NFL caliber players. That it, I'm curious what you think this does for Alvin Kamara, who we've had questions about this season, and then like Adam Troutman, the tight end. But DK, what what do you think this does for Kamara? That's a multi-pronged question. Number one, I think this injury, and this is sort of the general, I'd say, consensus on Twitter that I've seen, is that this injury to Michael Thomas makes it more likely that uh, Taysom Hill is going to be the starter at quarterback because basically what this means is the Saints passing offense is going to take a backseat to the run offense. They're going to want to make it very versatile, kind of like what we saw with the Patriots last year with Cam Newton. You know, build this offense out of a multiple run scheme where they're doing a lot of option stuff. And so I think that's the idea behind the thinking that this makes Taysom Hill like the more likely starter now, um, which I think is a negative overall for Kamara because his target rate with uh, with Taysom Hill in was like scary bad at times. And I don't know necessarily if that's going to change. However, Taking Michael Thomas out of this offense also seems like it's a good thing for Kamara because he's just going to be the focal point of the offense now, much more at a higher rate, I would say, than when Thomas was going to be in. So overall net, I would say this is a good thing for Kamara in terms of the fantasy world because he's just going to be the guy in that offense, right? Um, So I don't know. You know, I I feel a little bit better about where we had Kamara. I don't necessarily want to move him up. If anything, it just makes me feel a little bit better how high and how, how bullish we were on him prior to this all happening. Does that make sense? Craig, you've been Debbie Downer and Kamara. What do you think? To be honest, I don't necessarily, I don't think this improves Kamara's um, status that much. I, I think DK's point about how Thomas being out could mean Taysom Hill's the quarterback. Uh, that hurts Kamara in my mind. And to me, I don't know. How do you guys feel about the one good guy on the terrible offense who's going to get all the touches? Like, this isn't McCaffrey on the Panthers. Like, it's not. They're not just going to give Kamara 300 touches now. So I don't really think this affects that much. I actually think it it hurts uh, because now he's the only guy on the team who defenses have to focus on. And if Taysom Hill plays more, like, that's just worse for Kamara. I just think, as Alvis Snow put it, like, Alvis Snow, like, this is an, this is interminable dross, the Saints offense. <laughs> no, again, yeah, like, the fundamental point with Kamara now to me is just, like, look, he, went, he had the most efficient quarterback of all time in Drew Brees, and then he was scoring, and Kamara was scoring a touchdown a game, and then now Drew Brees is gone, and we're like, oh, can he do that again? And now Michael Thomas is out. You think all these defenses are just going to be like, you know what, we're going to do whatever we have to do to stop Kamara, and let Traquan Smith... Uh, it beat us. I, yes. I, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced that I, I, I'm actually kind of leaning. I don't think the Saints are going to be very good this year. I think that this is kind of like a disaster year for New Orleans. I mean, yeah, they lost Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. <laughs> yeah, like that's not fucking good. There, there's your expert hard hitting fantasy analysis. It's not right fucking there. good. They maybe they'll sign somebody, Golden Tate, Alshon Jeffrey. Like I guess they could bring in one of those guys, Des Bryant. No, the guys. Okay, the guys who are available, running backs, receivers, whatever. If you're looking at free agency in July and you're like, oh, we could sign that guy. He's there for a reason. It's not like the other 32 teams have or the, all the 30 other 31 teams haven't thought of this. It's because there's a problem, usually medical, if there's no other reason that like you can think of. It's like they're probably not that healthy. So I, I don't I think the Saints are kind of screwed, to be honest. Yeah. Should we get to seance? Should we should we transport ourselves to another realm? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Again, some players are dead to us. And are we incredibly selfish? And self-centered for thinking that a guy drops a touchdown and they're dead to us. Yeah, but you know what? But like that's fantasy. It's football, our truth. So that's our feelings. That's our truth. <laughs> yeah. So who wants to start us off here? Hi, Vince. Why don't you do it? I feel like you have a lot of guys who are dead to you. <laughs> do I give off those vibes? He's the most petty of the three of us. Let's be what? honest. Me? <laughs> Little old me. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, let's see if we can summon. Let's get the right energy here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're gonna have to do a little chanting. You guys know this. It's Odell Beckham from the Cleveland do we, Browns. Do we hold hands in a circle? Yeah, we hold hands. We light the. We do the circle of ash and we chant. chant. Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham. I don't know how that went. 
I don't know. Did he show up? <laughs> Are you here like with us? You oh, can, Dylan, I saw the, can, the candles were flickering, guys. I I feel like Odell. I loved Odell when he was with the Giants. Yeah, I feel you're like a he Giants was like fan. the last player that connected to me to my childhood. And I actually feel like when the Giants traded him, like I no longer had any relations to any of my sports teams, like in that like youthful naivety way. It all died with me. But I still believed in Odell when he went to the Browns. Like I still wanted him to succeed. And he just has not at all. Like Odell had like 25 touchdowns in his first two seasons with the Giants. He has like seven in his first two with the Browns. He also just is, isn't dominant. Like he isn't getting a lot of, tar he's not getting a lot of catches. He's not getting as many looks as he should. He's not, doesn't look as explosive because he's had so many lower body injuries. And then the craziest thing to me was that P P all these people pointed out, I think Craig said it last year, the Browns offense looked better when he got hurt. Like, that's a fucked up thing to say, and I thought that was kind of, like, really messed up when people said it. But they were kind of right. The Browns' offense was better after Brown after Odell tore his ACL, and I didn't even believe that at first. But Mary Kay Cabot, who's, like, the best beat writer for Cleveland, she's been there for, like, 25 years, and she said that Baker felt pressure to get Odell the ball. Like, he felt like Odell was right. this big acquisition, he's a star, and, you, and, and quarterbacks have to play politics sometimes, and he had to get Odell the ball. But it disrupted the entire offense because Baker was forcing it. And do you know what Mary Kay Cabot called this? Baker's pressure to get Odell the ball? Hmm. She called it the ghost of Odell. Oh, wow. It was haunting Baker. There she literally go. called it that. And I, I feel like he's just been so disappointing for so long. And like that tantalizing talent from five years ago is just not coming back. Yeah. And I look now, I'm like, okay, training camp's starting this week. And it's like, do we, do we want, do I want to undo this? And I'm like, well, if Baker wasn't, if Baker was forcing him the ball before and Odell still kind of sucked, how is he going to get better? The offense gets better, I guess. Yeah. Baker improves and they throw more. Yeah, Mayfield becomes more efficient. We saw what he did down the stretch last year. Obviously that was small sample, but he was looking really, really good. Maybe he's more in tune with this offense. What if we make the argument that Odell is humbled now? Has Odell finally been humbled? Is he like, all right, listen, I got to put together a 16-game season one of these years. I think it's what DK said, where it's like Baker has to be more confident now. It's like, I, I'm going to just play the game, and I'm not going to just force it. And that the process, it's kind of not intuitive, but now that he's no longer forcing it to Odell, Odell actually could have a better season because the whole offense rising tide will lift all boats. But still, it's like, also, he's an explosive player coming off a torn ACL, which is just the latest in a litany of lower body injuries. And mm. it's like, I feel like Odell is the king of like the 11-point game, but he's never delivering you big weeks. And I, I don't know, man. Like, he's just... It's weird because I think that Odell, in some ways, the name value hurts and helps him when you're draft. Like, there are some people who see Odell around the sixth round that they're like, absolutely. And some people just hate him yeah. and won't take him at any at any rate. So it's weird. But I, I don't know. I, I think that he's... You could convince me, look, at the end of the day, he's a number one receiver and he's being priced... No, really, no one has him any higher than like the top 23, top 24 receivers. But I just kind of don't want him on my team anymore, man. It's just such a bad vibe. Yeah. A lot of these players are personally dead to us, but I think Odell is one of the more universally dead to fantasy football managers guys in the league. I mean, I, we're all pretty scorned by him. It's rare that a guy has gone from so sexy to kind of so annoying, and he's only 28 years old. I mean, it's been a journey for Odell in fantasy. I mean, just kind of like Saquon, like if Saquon puts together one or two more shitty years, like he's in Odell territory. I mean, they were so electric, and now I think they're just kind of gross. So if you look at his, I'm just looking at his his page here at Pro Football Reference. As a rookie, he averaged 7.6 receptions per game, 108 yards per game. His yards per game average, I'm just going to read off his like seven seasons in the league here. 108, 96, 85, 75, 87, traded to the Browns, 64 in 2019, and then 45 last year. So it's going down every year. <laughs> receptions per game... <laughs> 7.6666466 last year. Sorry, in 2019. So his and yards then, and catches are going down every year of his And game. then 3.3 catches per game last year. So, yeah, like it's not even just the injury thing, it's his like efficiency and volume per game has like steadily decreased over the last few years. It's it's get, it is really getting harder to believe that like he's going to be the Things are post, going to get better. <laughs> yeah, it's like the post 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 
post type sleeper. Like, I don't like what is it at this point? You know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to happen at this point, it feels like. But also, I do still sort of have this thought in my mind like, okay, the Odell of old is going to come back this year. I can't like completely, you know, give up the ghost, if, if you will. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the guys around him in drafts, it's Cortland Sutton, it's T. Higgins, it's Kenny Galladay, Jamar Chase, Brandon Ayuk. If one of those guys is going to have 15, 1,600 yards and 11 touchdowns, I might pick Odell. Like if but I had, there's something different about picking a player like Odell because if you pick one of those other guys, you're like, oh, well, there's this or there's that. And like, you know what? Something ends up happening. Like you're the right or you're wrong and you're hope for the player. Odell, it's a little different because if Odell sucks, it's because you're dumb. It's not because of Odell. It's because you should have known. It's like if you get burned four <laughs> times, at what point are you just a masochist? Right. Do we have him ranked way too high, by the way? <laughs> this is what I'm wondering. <laughs> I think we do. I don't know. I don't know if we do. Do you think you'd have Cortland Sutton over him? I don't think so. So for we have Odell in half PPR. We have him 57th overall. He's right there. Like like Craig said, he's right there, you know, right above Cortland Sutton, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, there's question marks around all these guys. Sutton, Ayuk, DJ Chark, Claypool. I think... All those guys have pretty major question marks. And Sutton and Odell are both coming off torn ACLs. Which Odell's is name value is doing a lot of heavy lifting That's here, the though. Thing. So I think, I think he's dead to me, and he will remain <laughs> I think close. it makes a lot of sense where we ranked him, and I think it's correct. However, I don't want him. Yeah, I'm not burying the hatchet. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm leaving. Yeah, okay. I'm not, I don't think I want a lot of Odell this year. But he's okay. still the number one guy in the, Cle- in the Cleveland offense, isn't I he? I know, I know, I know. I just, he's I don't still want... the number one. There's just something about him. You know what I mean? I'll be really bummed if he's like the wide receiver's four after four weeks, but I think you got to decide within yourself if you're okay with that happening. I just, yeah. I, <laughs> I'd rather be wrong that he, and he ends up being good on someone else's team than pick him and he's bad on my yeah. team. Like the him being bad on my team would be way more upsetting than if he's good and I didn't pick him. Yeah. Anyway, who wants to go next? Well, let's stick with the brands here. I will go up. I'd like to uh yeah. I'd like to request to speak to Jarvis Landry, wide receiver on the Browns. Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry. So there's no way this is gonna sound good. I just felt I felt a draft. Did you guys feel that? Oh. Is he here, Jarvis? The room just got cold. I just sensed a two yard uh, two yard screen <laughs> that broke uh, the all time record for catches through four yards for four years. Uh, so Jarvis is interesting because basically I I have a personal relationship with Jarvis in my long uh, standing fantasy football league. I have a friend named Jackson Barry and he drafts Jarvis Landry extremely highly every year claiming that (laughs) he's so good. You guys are idiots. Jarvis is awesome. And we're like, you're a moron. This is like when he was in the (laughs) dolphins. We're like, you're so stupid. He's going to catch like 90 balls, but for like 700 yards and he's like, every year, he's like, Josh, you're so dumb. Jarvis is the best. And finally, last year, I was like, this is going to be it. I am now on the Jarvis bandwagon. I think he's going to be good. Like, it was the first year my buddy Jackson, like, didn't draft him. And so, like, we all hopped on him. And we're like, and we're going to steal this bandwagon from you. We're going to kick you off. Um, and then he sucked. And he was borderline benchable last year. Like, even uh, after Odell got hurt. I mean, he, he got a little bit better. But, man... He was pretty much just putting up like 40 yards a game, three catches. Didn't have a touchdown until week 12. I mean, it was really bad. I put him in the bird book last year. Yeah, DK burned him. (laughs) And the Browns were a really hard offense to root for, especially last year, because they literally never threw the ball. So when they did, you got so excited. And if it didn't go to your guy and it wasn't like a perfect 15-yard completed pass, you got so upset because you're like, well, that's not going to happen again for the rest of the drive. Like, it, it was really few and far between, you know? And then Odell got hurt. Things changed a little bit. But then, you know, you hear all about Jarvis's injury. He was playing with a shaved hip. They treated his hip like Parmesan cheese and were shaving Jesus. it in the offseason. Ah. And I got to say, Jarvis, if you're listening, man, come back. You're not dead to me. You were part of my sleepers. <laughs> episode, you know, two weeks ago or whatever. I'm all in on you this year. I'm all in on the Browns offense. Uh, I'm ready for Jarvis to be back into my life and to, to blossom as the guy I know he can be in the Browns offense. You're a bigger man than I am. How do you guys feel about Jarvis? He's good. I still think he's a good player, a dynamic player. I will not be drafting him. It's one of the, I, I really do think it's one of those things maybe that he's just not very exciting. 
Maybe but this I think is like he the- is. I think he's just not put in exciting situations. He's like a good actor on a bad show. <laughs> yeah. But that's like, I don't know. I just like, I feel like the guys around him, though, I'm just more apt to take the guys around him. I'm, t- I'm trying to find him on our rankings. Where no, I think, Deke, I, I think Craig's right about good Jerry, Judy, or Jarvis Landry. Like, I'm taking Judy. He's more exciting. I think that's the thing. It's just, it's, it's do you think Baker Mayfield levels up this year? And do you think that he's just going to be a much better passer? Because I just think at the end of the day, the Browns want to run the ball and that they're just not, I, I just don't think Baker's throwing 30 times a game a lot this year. I don't know. If you look at the know, second maybe? half of last season, he did throw it over 30 times a yeah, game. Yeah, but I think their defense is going to be a lot better. Their defense kind of sucked last year. And it's not because they, I mean, they signed Jadavian Clowney, but like, I don't really care. It's because they, they they did well in free agency. They they added John Johnson, like the safety from the Rams. Like I, They just have a lot of better players. I don't know if there's actually a defense that improves in the offseason quite as much as Cleveland. And I think that that's exactly how they want to play is they kind of want to choke teams out in the second half. But again, at the same time, if Baker gets a lot better, like we could feel pretty dumb for like, oh yeah, Jarvis and Odell were there. Like if they're both like really good, Odell and Jarvis to start the year, what do we look back and say? Oh, right. Well, they were both hurt on and off for portions of last year. Baker didn't find himself. If Baker starts playing better, that uh, that's the thing. I just don't know if I want to bet on that. This is, Yeah, this feels almost more like a decision on, like with Odell and Jarvis, this feels more like you're deciding whether to take Baker Mayfield. Even if you're not even taking Mayfield, you're just indirectly taking Baker Mayfield yeah, in these drafts. I agree. The other the, the thing that I just come back to though, and like the reason I still would have hope and I'm with Craig, I think I'm still I'm not he's not dead to me. I'm probably not gonna be looking for him frequently, but like Stefanski was part of an offense in Minnesota that was producing two number ones in like Thielen and and Diggs. And when you have an offense, even if it's run heavy or like quote balanced, if you funnel a most or like the, a huge majority of the targets to your two receivers, like they can still put up the volume that you want. Yeah, look at the Titans. I mean, the t- like Corey Davis yeah. and AJ Brown are serviceable guys. If Baker's good, I think they're going to throw more. And I think it's honestly as simple as that. Yeah. We're underselling Baker too. You have to remember that he's had four offenses in, in three seasons and that last year they installed this offense. During the COVID year, which I know that it's kind of easy to be like, ah, whatever. Should have. But like, there are plenty of teams, plenty of individual players just did not get their feet under them last year, whether just for conditioning or knowing the scheme, but a lot of different reasons till like middle of the year. Like there were a ton of rookies last year that just weren't going till week seven or week eight last year. And, and the Browns incredibly hurt. And listen, he's been better than yeah. Odell since Odell came to the Browns. Like the year before last, he had eight over 80 catches, almost 1200 yards. Like, and that guy's going in the seventh round, eighth round. Like why? I don't get it. So this thing, if Baker is really good this year, we'll all look at ourselves and say, Oh yeah, it's the first year he had an off season with the same offense he had before. And we're dumb. But having said that, if I'm going to pick between these two guys at where they're going in drafts, I would rather, I think I'd rather have Jarvis if only because Odell, again, he is coming off the torn ACL and he has all these other injuries. It's not like it's a one-off fluke thing for him. I think I I, I almost like Jarvis more, but just because I think that Odell, there are actually other guys with more upside, but they're they're not. It's weird because they were both so exciting and now I look at them as very unexciting players. I agree. I think Jarvis is the pick. I think he's more valuable. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. All right, DK, do you have do you have um another spirit that you would like to con- contact? I do, I do. My The player that I'd like to communicate with is Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown. Hollywood Brown. Brown. Oh, sorry. Bakersfield Brown. Bakersfield Brown. Fresno. Oldsmar. Oldsmar Brown. Brown. Encino Brown. (laughs) Remember, it's got to be Florida. It's got to be Florida. 
Florida cities. Um, yeah, so obviously people know, I guess, the history. If you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know the history uh, between me and, and Hollywood Brown. I was very high on him as a rookie. He showed out flash. He flashed here and there. Didn't was not really reliable. And then last year, you know, I'd say that he was very disappointing based on what we were expecting and where he was going. Um, and so, yeah, basically, I just decided to hop off that hype train hard. I was just ready to give up. Um, he Look, finished Hollywood chews up a lot of young, naive, believing people and spits <laughs> yes, them out. Like, okay, you're not seriously. the first, and you won't be the last. Yeah, I thought I came to Hollywood thinking I was going to be a star. Um, <laughs> yeah, so last year he finished as the wide receiver, thirty-four and a half PPR. He averaged 9.6 points in half PPR. He was usable for like a handful of weeks over the first 10 games, but then basically really fucked you over. There's some big-time yikes performances uh, sprinkled in. He had weeks with 4.2, 1.3, 3.8, 1.4, and 0 points, respectively, uh, in that stretch. And that was all despite him having a very strong uh, target rate for 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 the Ravens. He actually finished the season with a 26% target rate, which was seventh most among receivers. He was still just getting tons of targets, which is, I think, also the reason, by the way, I was just constantly being like, we got to get, we like, we got to hype up Hollywood Brown. We got to hype up Hollywood Brown. At some point, he's going to catch up because he's getting the targets. He's getting the volume. He's getting those high valuables looks, blah, blah, blah. It just never really came to fruition where he was turning those, like that target volume into anything usable. Um so basically a combination of inconsistency, the low volume passing offense where you have Lamar Jackson running the ball a ton, um, rocks for hands. He had like seven drops last year. And like a lot of the times it's like these big time moments where he's like dropping these passes. And now the Ravens have new additions in their offense. Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, the two notables. I don't know. It makes me very nervous about picking Marquise Brown in any draft at any point. Does it hurt even more because you wanted him to be good so badly last year? Like he was your number one pick. If you could, if you could guarantee one of your choices panned out, it would have been Marquise Brown last year, right? Yeah, because I was such, I was so vocal on the hype train for him for the first two seasons, and I still think he's like really talented. But all the variables now, I'm just like, no. We did like an entire episode on his diet and how he gained twenty pounds last year. Remember? <laughs> I think the problem with Marquise Brown to me is. There's overlapping variables. Yeah. Are the Ravens going to pass bottom two, bottom three in the entire NFL again? Very possibly. Do we need Marquise Brown to like develop more as the kind of route runner? Maybe. Does Lamar maybe, is Lamar going to have to adjust how he throws? Like not how he throws, but like is Lamar going to have to adjust the kinds of throws he's making, whether it's outside the hashes or the Ravens have to adjust to Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator has to get players open. There's just so many questions. What's the breakdown between him and Sammy Watkins, who's like the Carlos Hyde of receivers? (laughs) it's just there's just so many questions that even though Marquise Brown in theory not a lot has changed between what we liked about him last year and he's going a lot later than we had him last year you could make the argument that he's a post-type sleeper right but there's just so many things that have to align for him to be consistent and to DK's point I think a lot of the reasons these guys are dead to us is the inconsistency it's the sub five point games where you feel like a fucking moron Sub two point games, <laughs> the sub two point <laughs> yeah. games, like the zero point zero game. I don't do yeah. it. So here's the deal, and, and we've got him ranked in half PPR. We've got him ranked at 89th overall. Um, you know, so I think if he falls to that area, like you're you're taking him in the eighth ninth round or whatever, I think that's fine. I, I don't know. You know, it, it's much more. I feel like he's much more appropriately priced than he has been the last couple of seasons. I don't know off the top of my head if that's necessarily true, but it always feels like. People were overdrafting him the last two seasons. This year, and, and well, there are some reasons. To that. Yeah, I could probably not have. I, I might have helped that a little bit, but there are some reasons that I'm like half of me wants to just get get back on the train. Here, here's a few reasons I'm I'm like at least considering getting back on the, the Marquise Brown train this year. He had a very strong finish to the season. I will say that he was the wide receiver eleven from weeks twelve through seventeen. So that six six week period, he caught twenty six passes for three hundred thirty eight yards and six touchdowns. He also caught eleven catches uh, for one hundred ninety six yards in the playoffs. That's an eight game stretch, so half the season in which he caught thirty seven balls, five hundred thirty seven yards, six touchdowns. A full season, like a sixteen game season. I know it's seventeen, but just for context, since we understand that sixteen game stretch, that would be a seventy four catch, one thousand sixty eight yard, twelve touchdown season which would make him 
obviously a pretty useful fantasy tool. It is worth noting that in those games, they played Dallas, the Jags, the Giants, Cincinnati. Yeah, and that's why it's always a little dangerous to use small sample sizes. Um, however, it's still, you know, and I mean, he still was doing it, and he yeah. still came on strong at the end of the year, which is confirming a lot of our biases, which is always a problem. Um, and the other thing that makes me a little bit intrigued with him now is like people are going into the season thinking like Bateman's going to be the number one that pushes Marquise Brown to that number two role, which is probably more suited to him. Maybe that means he plays in the slot more. Maybe they use him in different ways, not just like a deep threat down the field. I don't know. Like there are reasons to be in on Marquise Brown this year, especially at cost. Um, but as we talked about on the saving, uh, the forgetting Sarah Marshall podcast a couple weeks, like last week, I'm just going to continue. I'm just going to go about living my life. I'm not going to be <laughs> drafting him when I see him there in drafts for the most part. Like, if it's a really good value, I'll grab him. But for the most part, I'm just going to carry on living my life. Not getting back on the train, in other words. All right. Well, you reminded me of someone that I I, I have a long-standing history with DK. And I'm, I'm going to need to contact if we can transcend into another realm for a moment. Mm. Mike Williams of the Chargers. Mike, Mike, Mike Williams. Williams. Mike, Mike Williams. Williams. Mike, Mike Williams. Mike Williams. I think we get worse at it every time. Yeah, the chanting, it's not going well. It's Maybe not, I won't edit them together, so it'll just be all really clunky, not, and that'd be funny. It's not going it's well. It's terrible. Chanting. We should have done chant practice We before. wouldn't make for a good, like, barbershop quartet, or three, three, no, I'm not, I don't want to say threesome. What's the word? <laughs> <laughs> Trifecta. Uh, bar- I don't know. <laughs> it's not a Definitely try to good threesome. Is that you're trying to avoid saying the word threesome here? But I couldn't. I couldn't come well, up. Well, you with just quick keep enough. saying it now. No. Do more. Do less. Threesome. Threesome. <laughs> threesome. <laughs> uh, try Guys, can I talk about how Mike Williams is dead to me? Yeah. Yeah, and then I'll talk about why I'm resurrecting him immediately. Are you serious? All right. I love Mike. When what are you I talking think- about, he's my one of my sleepers. I know that's dumb. When I think of fantasy players that's who are dumb. dead to me, the first person <laughs> I thought of was Mike Williams. Like when we first thought of this idea, I was like, I need to have a conversation with the ghost of Mike Williams because guys who are dead to you are because they pissed you off and nothing is worse than like getting, feeling like a moron. DK, you mentioned the Marquise Brown games that are like sub two. That's Mike Williams to me. When I think of Mike Williams, I think of 20 point games and 1.9 and nothing in between. Like he's the fantasy thirst trap. Last year, he had eight games under eight points. In 2019, he had 10 games under 10 points. In 2018, he had another 10 games under 10 points. Like he, Mike Williams is the guy who gets who's drafted in like the top 100 and then gets cut in your league. And you're like, oh my God, Mike Williams is available? And you use your waiver claim, you get Mike Williams. You plug and play. He gets you 1.8 points. And you're like, I'm an idiot. You bench him the next week. He gets 24 on your bench. You play him the next week and you're and he gets four. And you're like, fuck this. You cut him. And then some other sap picks him up. <laughs> and the whole this. thing starts over. It is yeah. like, it, it, it's like the time is a flat circle. Like, I, I, I get the appeal, but how long, like, I just can't go through this anymore. He's never had 50 catches in a season. He's never had 100 targets in a season. And, like, I get the Herbert stuff. Herbert's a better quarterback maybe than Rivers. And, like, he should be better. But, like, Mike Williams only had, like, three targets a game when Herbert and him overlapped last season. And maybe that's a little skewed because Mike Williams was hurt. But Mike Williams is always hurt. So why am I going to draft this guy? We have them back to back in our rankings. And it's not because I'm high on Mike Williams. I, I'm much lower on him than both you two. I, I would take Marquise Brown over Mike Williams every day of the week. I don't want Mike Williams anywhere near it. I get all the arguments. I get like, oh, number two on the Chargers, Herbert. I just can't do it. <laughs> Listen, that's fine. I, I think part of the reason why I'm in is I've never had him on my team. You know? <laughs> yeah, that is probably why you're You haven't in. been hurt before. I haven't been hurt by him before. I, you know, he's like, I don't know. I, I'm on a dating app, and I just see this profile. I'm like, this looks great. And then the ex-boyfriend's <laughs> like, don't do it. And I'm like, yeah, it looks good. I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I am a jaded ex of Mike Williams. It's the absolute worst experience. But you know what? Maybe he's changed. I mean, listen, you being like he's never had 50 catches in a year, that's cool. I mean, he's had 1,000 yards in a year. He's had 10 touchdowns in a year. Like, isn't that even more impressive considering he hasn't had 50 catches in a year? Like, imagine if he gets 100 targets this year and he is healthy. He's already done those two things. You're using words like imagine and if. I have been there, done that. This is fantasy football. We're projecting. Oh, my God. 
We're talking about Marquise Brown. That's we're like, oh, all the ifs involved with that. There's there's overlapping variables. Yet you're like, I wouldn't do that. I'd take him so, as a second over Mike Williams. There's less variables with Mike Williams. When it comes to analytics, like or just advanced math, whatever. You, the ideal version is you want the eye test to match up with the math. And He's I just want to on the eye test. No, no, no. I just want to throw this out there. When I'm saying the eye test, I'm meaning my personal experience suggests that he's the most fucking infuriating player I've ever had in fantasy. Maybe ever. ever. <laughs> maybe, maybe ever. At least Jeez. in the last five years, no question. How many times have you had him on your team? Too many. But that's the point. <laughs> it's only a now, that's seasons. my experience. But what's hilarious is that Josh Hermsmeyer, who does this amazing air yards model for Establish the Run, Mike Williams has fooled. Josh Hermsmeyer's established the run air yards model so often that he just refers to Mike Williams as redacted. <laughs> yeah. He built a whole model and it's really good at predicting everyone in the NFL except Mike Williams. That's Doesn't hilarious. that tell you that some, some, some good is to come? No, I, I actually think that a lot of the Matt, like the reason people are high on Mike Williams is this advanced statistics that suggest he underperforms in the red zone. The reason he underperforms in the red zone is that they just throw him fades that don't work in the corner of the end zone. I'm not overprojecting him because of any fancy EPA per play bullshit. I'm saying he's physically <laughs> really talented. His quarterback is really good. He's going to be on a good offense and he's healthy right now. Like wh what else is there? <sighs> Man, also his usage right. is like, people are already talking about his usage changing, I think, which is a big variable, you know, in, in this uh, Lombardi offense, which turned Mike Williams into, or sorry, which turned uh, Michael Thomas into like, the clear number one at the exposition, like people are wondering if he could have a, a much bigger role based on the offensive changes, which is another variable that'll get you sucked in. I would need to see some like real tangible stuff at a training camp from people <laughs> like, like before I can get, I just, I can't, I can't. The other argument is there's literally no one else catching the football. Like there's Jared Cook, who's 75 years old. And then there's a bunch of like Josh Palmer, rookie second year wide receivers. Like there's not yeah, a lot. And when Mike on. Williams gets hurt in, hurt in week six, imagine how crazy that depth chart will be. So high fits. We've got Marquise Brown at 89, Mike Williams at 92, back to back for receivers. Who are you taking in that group? Are you taking Marquise Brown? I think I have Mike Williams 20 spots later than both of you guys. Okay, well, so you're taking Marquise Brown. By by a million. Leaps maybe by bounds. a trillion. So wow. you'd, rather have, you'd rather have like Curtis Samuel? You know, I think I would, yeah. Hmm. Okay. What about like Corey Davis or Devontae Parker? I, yeah, I, I, I would. I would rather He's have those guys than Mike Williams. T.Y. Hilton? I, just, I, I could be... Uh, Michael Pittman, yes. T.Y. Hilton, I'd have to think about. But like, on, I'm so... Like, that's the thing. There are certain guys where it's like, it's emotional. And I get, again... 90% of the value you'll find in fantasy is taking emotions out of it. But if you take the other 10% out, you're not a human being. I can't separate how much I've been burned. It's not worth it. I can't go through this again. I can't live like this anymore. <laughs> go through this again. <laughs> you act like it's an actual relationship. God. Anyway. Okay. Fair DK, enough. Can you say on someone else? I, I'm, I'm emotional. My emotional energy has been spent. All right. Yeah. We got a couple teammates here back to back. So Craig, you go first here. Okay. I'd like to speak with Russell Wilson. <laughs> wow. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Mr. Unstoppable. What is no, it? Un unlimited. Oh, Mr. Unlimited. Well, that's turned out not to be the case last year, Russ. <laughs> Relatively limited. Mr. Mr. Occasionally limited. Russell Wilson like personally ruined my fantasy playoffs last year. <laughs> on, his, on his own is the single reason I lost in the championship is because of Russell Wilson. I had the best team and I stuck with him like an idiot because Jekyll and Hyde screwed me. So it's really interesting. You can look back on stats and they can tell a very different story if you look at the full season stats and actually going through game by game. Russ, you know, if, if some guy's playing fantasy for the first year this year, and he looked, that should be an episode we do. Like things that people who are playing fantasy for the first time would think by looking at last year. <laughs> yeah, you Numbers look at Mike Williams' stats Numbers and lie. you're like, oh, what yeah. a good player. You go, oh, Russell Wilson was the quarterback six last year. What a stud. Well, he was basically the quarterback one for the first half of the season. And he was the quarterback 12 for the second half. And it was a large gap. He scored almost 30 points a game for the first half of the season and then fucking 17 for the second half. And <laughs> the asshole sprinkled in a week 14 game <laughs> where he threw four touchdowns and you're like, oh my God, he's back just in time for fantasy playoffs. And then you know what he does in week 15? 225 yards, one touchdown. And week 16, fantasy championship week, 181 yards and two touchdowns. 
Russ was brutal. And here's my thing with Russ. I know he's good. Obviously, I get it, okay? He's probably a top five quarterback in the league, and he has been, and he will be. But I'm personally, I'm kind of done with the like, will Russ cook? Will he not cook? Is Pete Carroll going to let whatever OC here going to do what he wants for a little while until Pete Carroll's upset about it and then he changes it? I don't want to deal with that anymore. I want to draft a quarterback who the offensive scheme is set. They know what he is. They know what they're going to do. I feel more confident that Justin Herbert is going to have the same game plan from week one to week 17 than I am with Russell Wilson. And for that reason, I'm out. It's like Shark Tank. And for those reasons, I'm out. <laughs> Sound like Cuban there. Um, I get it. So I definitely get it. I definitely understand the fatigue, wondering of whether he's going to cook or not. Like, believe me, I've lived that life. Um, from What, from the three real, decades of Seahawks football has, has worn you down to the nub? Yeah, like from a real fan point of view, it's so frustrating seeing how the Seahawks play sometimes because they like to play, you know, very... I don't know, conservatively and ball control, not turning it over. They're, Pete Carroll is totally comfortable letting the game go down to the last play, blah, blah, blah. Chaos is a ladder. That's Pete Carroll's like operating. I'm aware procedure. that he shouldn't be dead to me, but he is. I'm aware that he shouldn't be, but I'm, I'm being irrational. Yeah. I get what you're saying, though, because you know what's really weird? That Russell Wilson is like maybe a top five NFL quarterback and also every offseason it's like, will they let him throw the ball? <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, it's so bizarre. It's a weird conversation. You don't hear that about the other good conversation. Hmm. Seriously, it's, are they going to let Josh Allen throw this year? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, you don't, you know, it's just not a thing with the other teams. Why it's do you just, think he tried to fucking force a trade? I guys. don't even know. Like, it's one of those things that sometimes you get so inside this bubble world that you forget how weird this shit sounds. If the NBA, yeah, they were just yeah. like, yeah, this guy's one of the best three-point shooters, but will they let him shoot? Like, that yeah. would never happen. Like, if Steve Kerr was like, Steph took too many threes last year. We're going <laughs> to scale him back. We can't turn the ball over. Come on, Steph. Um, yeah, Russell, he was tough last year because, like you said, he he came out scorched earth, like crazy, crazy good, all-time good. Um, like he was on pace to set all-time records in touchdowns and yards and things like that. Um, maybe not yards, but definitely touchdowns. And then um, down the and stretch, then he became like Alex Smith. Yeah, down the stretch, it was tough because at, at, on one hand, you're like, oh, I can't bench him because he's Russell Wilson, and look what, what he the did. F- you be- what are you talking benching him? No, no in I'm fantasy, talking about it for fantasy, dude. Oh, okay. Calm down. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> okay, I was like, what? <laughs> Um, no, I'm talking about, we had these discussions late in the season. Like, should you just stream, should you just stream a quarterback? And, you know, I don't remember exactly what we said, but like Craig mentioned the the game where he kind of came back. He threw four touchdowns against the Jets. But if you look at the stretch of games where he really struggled down the stretch last year, the Rams twice, you could see that coming. The Seahawks always suck against the Rams. Uh, the Cardinals. 49ers who had a really good defense and Washington and the Giants who had a solid defense for stretches there last year. So, I mean, he faced some really, really good defenses, particularly the Rams and the 49ers and Cardinals, which is a little worrisome because those are their division teams this year. So they're going to be freaking playing them again. But at the other, on the other hand, like that is a variable that I have to keep in mind. Like that stretch was just a lot of really good defenses. They paired back. They pulled back. If you're a top five quarterback in the league, to be honest, I don't, I shouldn't have to give a shit what defense you play. You know, I agree. like by definition, yeah, like yeah. the whole question though, this whole question though, to me is just, will the Seahawks throw more or not? It's just the whole Seahawks offense. It's like, is DK Metcalf a top five receiver or not? Is Tyler Lockett a good pick? I think you want to say on Tyler Lockett. So we got to bring him in here. So we should, we should summon him. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Tyler, Lockett, Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett. We are really getting worse. Good at Lord. That. That's we're Zoom. not good at the chanting. Zoom struggles. Yeah, we're not chanting well. <laughs> anyway, literally disenchanted. But All right. Yeah. It's the same thing that with Lockett and the inconsistency, right? Yeah. So I think I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I put Lockett in the burn book last you year did. too. You did. You did. And the big reason was last year was a roller coaster, right? It was basically the same same track of Russell Wilson, but maybe worse. Um, he started off the year really high. He was wide receiver four in half PPR halfway through the season, including he had the 50 point game. Yeah. Including maybe the greatest fantasy like week uh, one of the greatest fantasy weeks of all time when he was 15 catch 200 yard, three touchdowns in week seven. It was like 50 points. Um, however, he was the wide receiver 42 from weeks nine through 16. Uh, he basically fell off the map. He was unusable, unstartable at times. Um, and I think that a lot of people are carrying the feeling they got from that and 
and the reaction they got from that into this season. And I'm not out on Lockett this year. In fact, I'm kind of bullish on Lockett this year. And I, I'm actually bullish on Russell Wilson too because I think everyone has such a bad taste from what happened down the stretch last season, but there's so many variables involved in that. I already mentioned the, the defense thing. I don't think that's the biggest one. I think they also... Um, Pulled back on the reins. They wanted to get back to Pete Carroll ball a little bit more. I think that they're going to be somewhere in between the let Russ cook thing that we saw early in the season and the pull back on the reins, slow things down, and play really good defenses like style that they played late in the season. I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I think that Russell Wilson, if you look at his whole career, he's been really explosive. He's been really efficient. He scores a lot of fantasy points. Like his worst fantasy finish is like a, wide, a quarterback one. Has he ever finished outside the quarterback one in his career? I think no. I think he's been a quarterback. He's been the quarterback 11 or better every year of his career. Yeah. And most of the time, it's like top five. Um, and I think he's going to go back to being that guy. I think they brought in this new coordinator because he can help Russell Wilson um, develop more of a mid-range jumper type game where they're using him on quicker passes, getting the ball out of his hands, all that. I think there's going to be a lot of more like Ram-style looks where you're doing you know, uh, screens and sweeps and little slants, things like that to get the ball out quicker. Not going to be so reliant on deep shots, which makes him like, you know, a little more inconsistent. I think that's what we saw last year. They teams started to take away that deep ball. Um, and so I'm, I'm bullish on Wilson and, uh, and because of that, I'm bullish on Lockett. And I mean, Lockett in his career, you know, he finished as the wide receiver 18 in 2018, wide receiver 17 in 2019, wide receiver 13 last year, obviously it was up and down. Um, but I mean, you can expect, I think you can expect like, high-end or mid-range at worst, like wide receiver two as his floor. And I think he has the upside to be a wide receiver one if this offense clicks and gets back to what we were seeing closer to in the first half of last season, which I think it is still capable of doing. I think this is going to be a good offense. And I think Lockett, um, who, by the way, got hurt halfway through the season, and that was a huge part of the reason he fell off down the stretch. He, they basically turned him, he, t he tweaked his knee in, I want to say, week 11, and basically turned him into a decoy for the rest of the year he was just running routes on the outside they weren't really going to him and he wasn't as fast or dynamic as he had been earlier in the season um now granted i understand this has happened two years in a row but i don't think that necessarily means it's going to happen again i think i'm still just optimistic that he's going to be highly efficient highly explosive type player from this russell wilson offense i think the seahawks offense is going to score a lot of points and i think that you know lock in dk are locked in as the two top guys in this offense hope springs eternal <laughs> yeah. Okay. My next <laughs> my next player here is, is uh used to be very near and dear to my heart. And I'd like to speak to him once again, perhaps for the last time. And his name is Chris Herndon <laughs> on the Jets. <laughs> Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon. God, that's not good. Well, I, I can feel his presence. It. I can feel I just, it. I just felt a ball on second and ten just just fall through his hands. Do you think do you think fans listening to the show right now like are kind of disappointed that we've kept up with this like chanting bit at minute fifty? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I I I'm really curious to see how the chanting went. Okay. I think it's a hit. I think it's a huge hit. <laughs> Everyone, please join me on a ride back in time, will you? Mm, Adam yeah. Gase, 2020. Chris Herndon gives us a lot of flexibility. It's rare to have a guy with the ability to be as effective as a pass catcher and a guy that's explosive when he gets the ball in his hands and to still be an on-the-line tight end that can block in the run game and also pass protect, blah, 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 blah. Chris Herndon, <laughs> wow, wow, he's the next Jimmy Graham, whatever you want to call him. The Athletic last year, beat reporters are saying the Jets can't wait to unleash Chris Herndon. I was flipping out because he was ranked as the tight end 27. I was like, guys, what are we doing? <laughs> Well, he turned out he finishes the tight end 35. <laughs> In other words, irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. Truly irrelevant. There's only 32 teams. <laughs> he was awful, and he, like, wasn't yeah. hurt, which was my whole bit. So, like, oh, his rookie season, he was good. His second year, he was hurt. Third year tight end breakout, blah, blah. So, the question, are they dead to you going into 2021? Chris, unfortunately, yes, you are. However, small little mini glimmer of hope here. Kind of in the same situation. They have Tyler Croft. I know it's another tight end from Cincinnati. But like, man, would we be surprised if Gase, the yoke of Gase, he has been freed from it? We have a better quarterback potentially in Zach Wilson. Like, I'm going to be, 
I will actually be really bummed and upset if he's e- if he's even like the tight end 16. I think I'll be upset. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's in play, but no, he's he is he is dead to me. I'm I'm gonna stick to my guns. It doesn't good. sound good for him by, based on uh beat reports from OTAs and training camp stuff. Like he didn't look good. He didn't it sounded like he wasn't learning the playbook. He's I still mean, dropping just, passes. It's just which not is all going that well. I don't think you can bank on it whatsoever. Maybe he'll be a post-post type sleeper, but I doubt it. I really doubt it. I'm I'm more interested in like um there's they got this rookie Kenny Yebo. I don't know how to say his name, sorry. But um he's sorry, kind Kenny. of interesting. Like he's a athletic guy. I don't know. I'd rather like I'd rather look at that than, than gonna be hard to chant Kevin's name. I do want to recognize this as a big moment Kenny, for Craig. Kenny, not because Kevin. if Craig did not actually keep Chris dead to, Herndon dead to him, I I would have told him that he had a disease. Like you, you it's a sickness. Yeah, I need to seek help. No, no, he's dead. We can move on. Yeah. All right, good. DK. Anyone else you want to um Yeah. Contact? So I'm I'm trying to look up how to say this guy's name first. Hold on. It's Yaboa. Kenny Yaboa. Oh, I bad. thought you were talking about the, the next guy on the list here. I was like, yeah, it's a very simple name. My, my, Miles Sanders? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going with Miles Sanders of the Miles Yaboa. Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders. I'm so sorry, everybody at home. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was like a legit woof. I think right we have there. to retire the chanting after this. Unless there's well, like, a, like a genuine outcry from more chanting. This yeah. episode is now dead to us. <laughs> this bit is dead. This bit is now dead. We will resurrect bits Can we put this season. bit in the burn book? Because, okay, so Miles Sanders. Why is he dead to me? Well, the much anticipated breakout that a lot of people thought was going to happen last year really just did not happen. Uh, he finished as the running back 23, which isn't terrible. But certainly not, I think up to expectations. I think a lot of people thought he'd be in that top tier. There's a chance he would descend to the top tier running backs um, based on a pretty exciting rookie season where he was like really utilized as a receiver, like downfield vertical receiving threat, all this stuff. Um, Sanders, he rushed for 867 yards and six touchdowns, but his receiving work fell way off. In fact, it was almost like half, uh, or actually it was worse than half in yards from what he did as a rookie. He he caught 197 yards uh, last year, it was 509 the year before. He got 28 passes. It was 50 the year before as a rookie. Um, so his receiving work really fell off the map, which is like the Josh Jacobs death spiral. Like It's like starting to really become worrisome. Um, he was injured a couple different times. He had a hammy, I think, in the beginning of the year, a knee injury halfway through the season. He missed a couple games. Uh, they brought him back slowly. The Eagles were just... <clears throat> excuse me. The Eagles were just a massive clusterfuck from like start to finish. Offensive line issues and injuries quarterback drama, coaching drama. Uh, there was just, it was just a bad look. And then obviously there was sort of a running back by committee still in effect. He obviously didn't get a lot of the receiving work. Last year he had to deal with Boston Scott and Corey Clement. They kind of t- like ate into his production. So what is 2021 going to look like? Am I back in? I would say that I'm not completely, he's not dead to me quite yet. I'm still willing to sort of ascribe a lot of his struggles last year to just the overall you know, dysfunctionalness, dysfunctionality. What what is the word? Dysfunction. There? Dysfunction. Shit show. Clusterfuck. The, the shit show. Interminable dross. <laughs> yeah. The interminable dross that was Eagles football in 2020. I'm just willing to kind of just give Sanders a pass <laughs> on that season. Um he's still got to fend off some guys like Boston Scott's still there, uh, still there. Carry on Johnson, they picked up. Jordan Howard, Kenneth Gainwell, they draft in the fifth round, who's a very talented receiving back. Uh, new coach, there's the Nick Sirianni thing. He comes from a team in Indianapolis that used the running back by committee a lot. Um, the team has invested in running backs like Gainwell. Jalen Hurts as the quarterback could potentially hurt things because he's going to, number one, steal carries, and number two, steal goal line carries, and number three, run instead of dumping it off in the passing game. So you get kind of like the Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins corollary going on here where he's just going to be an early down guy. He's going to be efficient, but is that going to be enough to make him an elite guy? Um, all those things are still sort of working against him, but I'm I'm still willing to bet on his talent and bet on the idea that the Eagles know he's the best guy and he's they're going to use him the most. And the, the, I guess overall what I'm saying is like the talent's going to show out. Hopefully he can stay healthy. And I think he's going to be a lot more efficient this year than he was last year. So... Bottom line, I'm not completely out on Miles Sanders. 
I think right now he's pretty appropriately priced, though, I, I would say. Like, I don't think he's, you know, necessarily a big-time sleeper or anything like that. I think right now we've got him in, you know, our fourth tier, right below Clyde, Edwar- Clyde Edwards-Lair. And I think that makes sense. I don't, I don't think he's a worthless asset in fantasy. I don't know. Am, am I being too wishy-washy here? No, I, I think I think part of the problem is that the Eagles are running their team like a baseball team in that, like, the front office just is making a lot more decisions around, I think, this coaching staff than, like, usual. Like, in baseball right now, a lot of GMs and front offices are making decisions that usually would have been made by managers. I think that the Eagles kind of are doing a similar thing where, like, Nick Sirianni, the head coach, I think that the Eagles are a lot more, the front office is more heavy-handed in decision-making, one of which is, like, the running backs and just the usage. And I just, I don't know if they want to give Miles Sanders, like, a big workload. I don't know how much they want him rotating in and out. And, like, the fact that they have so many guys on this roster at the running back position is... It just it feels like there's such a hard ceiling on how much Sanders is going to play. Mm. You know, it's so interesting looking back at stuff. I remember, like, my buddy had Miles Sanders on his team last year, and he was so frustrated with him. And when I'm looking at his 2020 season right now, when you just look at it, you're like, this isn't bad. You know, most of the games, he has like 80, 90 yards. Right. Um, there's a couple duds, but you don't really realize when you actually are starting a guy every week, and he's like your best running back on your team. Like, Miles Sanders in week 11, Six carries for 15 yards. Like, that cannot happen. Like, I, I think <laughs> when you look back at... I think he was coming off an injury at that point, though, wasn't well, he? Well, the next week, he had 10 carries for 31. But, yeah, like... It's rough. When you when you look at the full game log, you kind of just, like, toss those away, and you're like, well, whatever, look at the rest of them. But, like, that is something that Derrick Henry just, like, doesn't do. Like, the mm. best guys don't have those games, and I think that's what's tough about Miles Sanders is when you watch him, you're like, oh, he's really good. Nine carries, 118 yards in week six. Why can't he do that every game? And, you know, I went back, and I'm, I'm on Roto World, and I one of my favorite things to do is to just scroll back to 2020 and read all the reports that everybody was saying, and it's Doug Peterson says Miles Sanders would be the guy. Uh, he will be the back. 15 yeah. to 18 touches a game, yep. which did happen. He did average 16 touches a game, but mm. um, he'll be, he is entrenched as the Eagles' number one running back. <laughs> entrenched, but um, yeah, I don't. I, my point is is like kind of hazy, but I just think it's it's a lot different in the moment experiencing the guy on your team than looking back at someone's 2020 and deciding if you were okay with it or not. Interminable drafts. Yeah. That's the, yeah. that's the theme here. That's certainly the theme. Yeah, I don't know. Hi, do you think Miles Sanders is like one of the best upside picks in that in that tier? Uh, this tier, I think the more we just prep for this season and everything, like, there is not a tier of players that I just don't know what to fucking do with <laughs> than this tier of running backs. That's Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, DeAndre Swift, Chris Carson, who I don't need, I feel is very unfairly lumped in. Right. Because I like him so much more than these other guys. David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, we have Daryl Henderson there now. These guys who are like two down backs who are, for the most part, very talented but for whatever reason, their organization just seems to limit their fantasy upside. Like the Raiders, like Josh Jacobs, he's a first-round pick, and then they signed Kenyon Drake. And I'm like, all right. Like J.K. Dobbins, it's like he's this first-round pick, but like Gus Edwards seems like he's still going to get a lot of work, and Lamar's still rushing, so like, can you trust J.K. Dobbins? And they don't really throw him the ball at all. And then David Montgomery, we just talked about him for a whole episode. I just don't know what to do with any of these guys. But if I had to pick one of them, I, I, I feel like D- DK would pick DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. I could see Miles Sanders emerging from this tier. Yeah, well, I, I guess let me put let me face, let me put it this way to you: Would it be any big surprise if, like, next year we're ranking him back up there by like Austin Eckler and you know Nick Chubb? No, and, like, I, I I think that of all those guys, I think he's the one I want the most. I yeah. trust him more. Chris Carson, I get, I guess it's Chris Carson, but yeah. I think Chris Carson and Miles Sanders are the guys to me. Chris Carson doesn't really count because the other guys are all very similar in age, workload, mm-hmm. all this stuff. Chris Carson's like the seventh round pick, who's really fun to watch and is on his second contract. Of these guys who are like all in their rookie contract and like all in similar boats, I like Miles Sanders the most. I think, yeah. but I don't like, I don't, I don't love him. I'm not excited. That the I got person, Miles Sanders I, I'd say team. like the personality or identity of this tier. Versus the tier above, which is Nick Chubb, Taylor, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, and CEH. This tier, which you just read it off, it's every one of these guys has something kind of like big holding them down, potentially. And in practical terms, that means that like if you're doing a snake draft, you wait around and you hope one of them falls. And I don't even know if I care which as much as just I don't want I, I want one of them to fall before I really want to 
take them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think this group of running backs is aptly named the dead zone for this episode. Yeah. Like there's a reason why these guys usually don't pan out and you got to have to get really zone. lucky. The dead yeah. zone, guys. Yeah. Seance. Get the it? DZs. Oh, wow. There you go. Well, that's appropriate. Um, Although, wait, yeah. there is one more group of people we have to seance before we get out of here. Not a group, just a person. Who's that? It's Adam Gase. Wait, don't <laughs> say his name. It's like Candyman. He will <laughs> fucking appear. He'll just show up if you say his name. <laughs> but I just want to confirm he's still dead to us. Can, that, can he dead. be our version of the guy we refer to as redacted? No, he's Candyman. <laughs> okay, fine. He's Candyman. He'll come up. It will kill your fantasy season. By the way, uh, before we close this out, I just want to point out, we talked about Aaron Rodgers at the beginning of the show. David Bakhtiari, left tackle for the Packers, responded or quote tweeted that Ian Rappaport report uh, that said that Rodgers has indicated to people close to him that he does plan to play for Green Bay this season. Bakhtiari goes, wow, guess we aren't close people, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> so Bakhtiari hasn't heard shit, in other words. Didn't they work out like two days ago? Yeah, they're like working out together. I think that he would tell them. Or or Bakhtiari's just fucking with him. You should Bakhtiari was well, just sure. on he was on Rosillo's pod like two weeks ago. That was a really good interview. You should listen to it. He's cool. Yeah. I feel like offensive linemen are always good interviews. Is that like a weird take? Bakhtiari was a one star recruit. And wow. he was only a one star recruit because his high school coach lied about his height and weight so he could go to school and play because he was he wasn't big enough. And that's Dude, that's why he was a one star. The whole high school star thing. I, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about it. All right. Thank you to everyone. Um, thank you mostly to the, the spirits that we contacted. We hope we did not upset any of you. Um, especially Adam Gase. Please don't come and murder us. That would be super great. All right. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Thank you to everyone for listening. And really, just thank you for getting through those chants. We're sorry we did that to you. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Maroon 5. Oh. Okay. All right. Songs about Jane. I mean, it's all downhill from there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sugar. Now they're like, like, you know, they're like the, I, every time they come out with an album, I'm like, all this. No, I'm just like, I just, I was going to listen to it, but <laughs> I carried on living my life. Yeah. See you guys on Wednesday. <laughs>